0: We're in a series right now called Know Your Enemy. You need to know that Satan is your true enemy. He is your adversary, and he is at work against us all the time, and so we need to know how he works. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 eight: be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Some people think this is just a fairy tale. But I can assure you that there's a very real battle and that lives are at stake. And you personally, you have an adversary. You have an enemy of your soul. Whether you know it or not, he's always working against a believer. And if he can't take you out, then he just wants to stop or hinder the plan and purpose of God in your life. There are things that God intends for you to do. You need to know this. Every believer... See, this isn't just a few select people, you know, preachers. No, this is for all of us. God has a purpose for our life. There are people whose lives we're supposed to touch that in eternity it will make a difference. That means it makes a difference if we don't. And Satan, listen, he knows what his doom is, but he wants to take as many down as he can. He wants to destroy as many lives as he possibly can. And so I want you to see this, though, in the Scripture in Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are His workmanship. You see, God, you're His workmanship. He has things for you to do. Listen to this. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's preordained. There are things that you're supposed to do. And Satan wants to stop you. He wants to hinder you. you know, he'll try to sideline you with sickness. You know it's really hard to go hard for God when you feel bad. I mean, when, when, I'm, when I'm really sick, when I feel really bad, the last, thing, the last thing I'm thinking is, well, gee, how can I help somebody else right now? But even if you want to, so often sickness will sideline you. You know, you you, you can't really do everything you need to be doing when you're stuck at home or even worse yet when you're in the hospital. I'm just telling you Satan will try to sideline you with sickness. He'll try to sideline you with problems with your marriage or with your children. It's hard to be effective for God and do all that God has for you. If you've got a lot of problems in your home, I mean, there's a lot of pastors that are no longer in the ministry because things blew up at home. But it's not just about pastors. No, everybody that serves the Lord and works for the Lord, when, when you start having all kinds of marital problems and kids going haywire, it makes it difficult to do the things that God wants you to do. Satan will try to sideline you by messing up your finances. I mean, there's a whole lot of people right now that aren't doing what God wants them to do because they are so consumed with making ends meet. I ain't got time to do nothing for the Lord. I'm trying to pay bills. I'm just telling you Satan will use anything and everything he can to try to hinder you being used of God or fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God in your life. Always trying to keep people from really living for God. You know, he'll try to keep you from fulfilling God's call through sin and compromise. He'll try to destroy your witness, your testimony, through anger. You know, one big outburst of anger where you just lose it and you let somebody have it and you just lost your witness. No, you see, Satan will try any way he can. He'll try to get you in conflict, fighting with other people, forgetting who your real enemy is. But he works against us all the time to try to disrupt the plan of God. Last week we talked about his primary weapon, deception. Jesus called him the father of lies. He is the master deceiver. One of the things that he so often tries to do through deception is make people afraid. He's a master of deception. And he's constantly trying to bring fear into people's lives. He is... The fear monger. He uses fear to intimidate. He uses fear to manipulate and to control people. He'll try to use fear to rob you of your peace and your joy, your calling, your service and work for the Lord. Fear. Fear. At one time, Ann Landers received an average of 10,000 letters every month, and nearly all of them were people with problems. Somebody asked her what the predominant theme was in the letter she received, and she said the one problem that people have above all others is that people are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, and their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. How sad is that? You know, the Bible tells us that fear has torment. And Satan, he loves to torment people. Fear will keep you from enjoying life. It'll keep you from the abundant life that Jesus has promised you. We live in this world that operates on the principle of fear all the time. We're constantly bombarded with the worst what-ifs. And all kinds of fears come at us all day long. Most, of, most all of our news that's reported, it's all negative news. It all stirs up fears. You know, there's the fear of terrorism or war, fear of not being able to pay the bills, not having enough, fear of sickness, fear of losing a job, fear of tragedy. Just the fears go on and on and on, all kinds of fears. But do you realize that all of those things I was just mentioning, those are all the works of the devil, the God of this age? You see, he tries to use fear to bring those things into people's lives. And here's the thing for me as a pastor I want to say is, you see, a lot of Christians struggle with fear and give in to fear just as much as the world. They live with this anxiety about what might happen. I want to tell you something this morning. You are sitting in church... You're safe here. You're okay. Amen. Now, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Neither do you. But you're okay right now. You say, oh, no, this is going on in my life. This, you're okay right now. Amen. I understand. I understand there's a lot going on in our world and in, and in our lives. But I just want you to know, you're okay right now. No, so much of our fear is about what's going to happen. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? There's so much fear-mongering going on, and I'm telling you, if you listen to it, it'll make you miserable. That's right. It's no way to live. Matthew six thirty four, Jesus said, Don't worry about tomorrow. That's right. Monday's coming. Friday's coming. The bills are coming. Don't worry about tomorrow. Amen i got this problem with my health. Don't worry about tomorrow. I want you to know, I absolutely refuse to worry about tomorrow. Some people are so fearful about what's going to happen with the economy. They're fearful about, you know, what's going to happen with Russia. Fearful about politics, what's going to happen. Fearful about all the ungodliness in our world. "'Aren't you worried, Pastor?' "'No, I refuse to worry.'" Jesus said three times in Matthew chapter 6, "'Do not worry.'" I don't take it as a good suggestion. I take it as a command. My Savior says, "'Don't worry.'" I have every opportunity to worry. Believe me, the thoughts come, but I choose. I'm not going to dwell on those things. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be afraid of what's coming tomorrow. The Bible says in James four fourteen, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Now, Some of us think we do. We got a plan. That's exactly what he's talking about when he says that. Sometimes our plans don't work out you don't know what will happen tomorrow. So you can live in fear or you can live in faith. See, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but here's what I do know. That tomorrow, Jesus will still be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Tomorrow, He will still be my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I tell you that's what I know David when he wrote those words you need to realize that he had a lot of reasons in his life a lot of opportunity to have fear but he said I will not fear evil and you need to make up your mind. See, I'm not denying reality. I'm not living in a fantasy land. But I choose to have faith instead of fear. I'm not going to let fear consume me and control me. Amen. I tell you, you got to decide. you got to make up your mind. And sometimes it's a battle. you got to fight the good fight of faith. you got to keep going and not allow the enemy to get you operating in fear. You know, a lot of people, they just end up, instead of living under God's law, it's like they're living under Murphy's law. You know, anything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. That's no way to live. That's kind of funny, but it it makes a good point. There's an old farmer sitting on the front porch of his shack, and along comes a stranger, and he says, Hey, how's your cotton coming? He says, Ain't got none. Didn't plant none. Afraid of boll weevils. They said, Well, how's your corn? He said, Didn't plant none. Afraid of drought. How's your potatoes? Ain't got none. Scared of tater bugs. Well, what did you plant? I didn't plant nothing. I just played it safe. And I want you to know that's the way a lot of people live their life. They're they're not really obeying God, not stepping out in faith. They don't want to get involved. They're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're playing it safe. That's no way to live. That's not abundant life. That's a stifled life. See, you can't really live in all that God has for you if you allow fear to control you. You don't base your decisions on fears, but instead on faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please Him. Right. So if we're going to please God, we've got to live by faith. We can't live by fear. The only fear that we should have is the fear of the Lord. Amen. To respect, to revere, to honor Him, to obey Him in our life every day. But when we really fear the Lord, we don't have to fear anything else. Oswald Chambers wrote this, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. I'm just telling you, when you realize how awesome and mighty our God is, nothing and no one can compare to Him. We don't need to be afraid of anything or anybody else. Our God is mighty, and we fear Him and Him alone. You know, I was looking through the Scripture, and I, I realized, I found that the words, the command, fear not, is in the Bible specifically phrased exactly like that 11 times. And then I looked for be not afraid. In the New King James Version, it is in the Scripture Fifty times, beginning in Genesis and all the way into the book of Revelation. The Bible says, be not afraid. Now, that's specifically phrased that way. You start looking for it phrased other ways, it's just in there so many times you can't even count them. Be not afraid. This is how we're supposed to live. We live by faith. We're not supposed to live in fear. In John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Are you obeying Jesus this morning? Is your heart troubled? Are you afraid? You don't have to be. That's right. Let not your heart be troubled. It's a choice. It's hard sometimes to do, but it's a choice. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Sometimes the circumstances of life make it really hard to not be afraid. When you're providing for your family and you lose your job, it's easy to be afraid. That's when you got to come to that place of faith where you realize, Lord, I'm not providing... For my family, you are. However this is going to happen, Lord, I trust you. When your wife gets a bad report from the doctor, it's easy to be afraid. But you got to make that choice to not let your heart be afraid, but instead to have faith and trust God. The circumstances of life can make it difficult. Like when the disciples... Are out in the boat. I want to read it to you from Matthew 8, 23 through 25. When when he, Jesus, got in the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. I want you to picture this: that this storm was so bad that the waves are covering the boat. That's bad. Well, the next part's pretty strange. But he was asleep. Now, that's some kind of tired. I've been tired. I don't know if I've been that tired. That's some kind of peace. He was asleep in the boat. Then his disciples came to him and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. In another gospel, it says, don't you care that we're perishing? Everything seems so out of control. Some of these guys were fishermen. They were used to being out on the lake in a boat, but they were scared because it was so bad. Water is coming in the boat. They're afraid they're going to die. They wake Jesus up. Lord, we're going to die. Don't you care? I want you to know there's a lot of people that seem to think Jesus is asleep right now. Lord, don't you see what's happening in our world? Don't you care? Don't you see how bad things are getting? And they're afraid. Here's Jesus' response in the next verse. He says to them, Why are you fearful, Oh, you of little faith? He, re- he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Jesus says to them, Why are you fearful? I don't think he was really expecting them to answer out loud, but I'll bet you they were answering in their minds. Because the water's coming over the boat! Why are you fearful? There's so many bad things happening in our world, don't you know about the gas prices? We're afraid! I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid. We can trust our Savior that he will get us through. The economy's about to crash, terrible things happening all the time. We don't have to be afraid, though. Another shooting and another shooting. We don't have to be afraid. Listen to me. They had Jesus in the boat. Why are you afraid? Oh you of little faith. You got Jesus in the boat and you think you're gonna die. Do you have Jesus in your life? Amen. I, I'm not talking about a little dab of religion, you know, like where, you know, when you decide you really need him, you get Jesus down off the shelf like some kind of idol and say, hey, help me, Jesus. I'm talking about do you have Jesus in your life? If you've got Jesus in your life, then when the waves are coming over the boat, you don't have to be afraid. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And you see, we see there that fear and faith work against one another. Fear is the antithesis of faith. Why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? See, if you're allowing fear in your life, you've got little faith. When you get great faith, you can drive the fears out. you got to make up your mind you're going to live by faith and not by fear. You need to understand, it is by faith that we receive the promises of God. I mean, this is how we appropriate the promises of God in our life. There are, sometimes there are a condition to a promise, but almost always they have this condition that we have to believe. This is how we receive the promises of God. Satan uses fear to undermine our faith and keep us from being able to believe and receive all that God has for us. Fear will undermine your faith, I'm telling you. And it leaves the door open for the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And we all have to deal with thoughts of fear. We all have to deal with worry. But we have to deal with those things. We can't allow those things just to take control in our life and be controlled by fear. No, we overcome fear by faith. Don't listen to fear mongers. There are so many people that use fear to manipulate other people. Satan uses fear to manipulate people. Some people, they just spout fear all the time. And I'm telling you, if you allow it, fear will be the motivation for what you do and the decisions that you make. And when you do that, you need to realize you're being manipulated. Now, when I talk about fear this way, I want you to understand, I'm going to say it again, I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord, we need to always fear the Lord. And I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that we should be foolish. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about standing on the promises of God. I'm talking about believing God. I'm not talking about this careless, foolish attitude where it doesn't matter what I do, I'm not afraid. Hey, y'all, watch this. Listen... You read the book of Proverbs and you'll see that if you do stupid, you got a reason to be afraid because you'll mess up your life being stupid. I'm talking about that fear that would keep us from living in what God has for us, that fear that keeps us from believing God and trusting God, that fear that would bind you up God wants you to be free from that. That's right. we got to choose faith over fear. One of the greatest tragedies that can happen in life is when a child dies. A lot of people are afraid right now for their children's safety because of the horrible things that are happening in our world. one man who had just heard the news that his daughter had died, Jesus says to the man in Mark 5.35, Be not afraid, only believe. And there the two are again. Be not afraid, only believe. You see, it is a choice that we have to make, that even in the worst circumstances of life, We choose to not be afraid, but to trust God. Now, if you know the story, you know that Jesus raised that little girl from the dead. But here's what we need to understand, is that even in the worst circumstances, we can choose to trust God and not be afraid. Some people preach fear. They talk about the bad news all the time. I'm talking about preachers right now. They talk about how bad things are and how much it's going to get worse. And they use fear as a manipulation. God is not in that. That's the way Satan works. I want you to understand, Jesus never preached fear. Never. He always preached faith. And Jesus himself himself said many times things like Luke 12, 32, Fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, we don't have to be afraid. Our Father, He wants to reign and rule in our life. He delights to provide for us, to protect us and to bless us. Colossians 1.13 tells us that we've been removed from Satan's dominion and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. We're no longer a part of Satan's rule and reign. Just as Jesus had authority over the storm that day when the disciples are out on the lake, I'm telling you, Jesus has authority over your storms. And if you're a child of God, you're part of His kingdom. You know, so often the real thing, issue with fear is that we fear the things that are beyond our control. But nothing is beyond His control. Not anything. And if we really believe that, then it brings peace to us. He says, fear not. Don't be afraid. Stop listening to the bad news and instead listen to the good news. Let me give you some good news. Proverbs 3, 24 through 26. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Amen. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be, su- will be sweet. Now, Amen. I was thinking about this verse at 1.30 this morning. <laughs> and we finally went back to sleep and slept till the alarm went off. And I was wishing it had been said a little later. So I'm working on this. But I got to tell you, this is the way it's supposed to be. You'll lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. See, we don't have to be afraid when the Lord is our confidence. Understand this, that everybody has to deal with fear. All of the great men and women of the Scripture had to deal with fear. We all face opportunities to have some kind of a fear every single day. Most people are so accustomed to certain fears in their life, they don't even realize that that's what it is. Like the person who won't believe God for success because they're so afraid of failure. Or the person who won't believe God for better because they're afraid of disappointment. A lot of people are afraid of disappointment. They don't want to get, you know, don't get your hopes up. It depends on who your hopes are in. See, a lot of people, that just allow fear to keep them from the things that God has for them. And fear has torment. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It can cause you to do things that you shouldn't. And it can keep you from doing things that you should do. Fear of not being accepted or liked by others. Fear of opposition. Fear of not having enough. Sometimes it causes people to do things that are wrong. Fear of not being loved. Sometimes it causes people to fall into immorality. I'm just telling you, Satan will use fear to get people to do things they shouldn't do. And he uses fear to keep them from doing the things they should. It's a form of pressure. We call it peer pressure. You know what it really is? It's fear pressure. Afraid of what somebody else might do. Afraid of what somebody else might say. Afraid of what somebody else might think. I wish that everybody liked me. I wish everybody liked my preaching. But you know what? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm just going to say what I honestly in my heart believe God wants me to say. And I'm just telling you, we all have to deal with those kinds of fears. We've got to make up our mind that we're not going to live in that fear and be snared by that. You know, fear can keep you from worshiping God the way you should. What's somebody else going to think? Some people like to think that they have no fear it's especially a thing with men you know I ain't afraid of nothing yeah I know I know all about it I know all about it personally but if you're afraid to come to the altar at the end of the right. service and be prayed for right. cause well I don't want anybody to think I need anything you're afraid Amen. there's all kinds of fears Oh, yeah, even the tough guys got to deal with fear. You see, sometimes people get afraid. What are you going to do when the boss takes you and your coworkers to lunch to celebrate bonuses? And he buys everybody a beer. What are you going to do? That's right. Come on. Man. I know what some of you are thinking. Shame on you. <laughs> what are you going to do? See, when you got ball practice on a Wednesday night, and you're afraid if you go to the youth service, you're going to lose your spot on the team, Fear's controlling you. Preacher's meddling right now. You can get mad at me if you want to, but I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you, Satan will bind you up. He'll manipulate you. He'll move you around using fear. Christians need to come out of the closet. Quit being afraid of other people knowing that you're a crazy fanatic. That goes to church all the time and loves God with all your heart. If you love God with all your heart, people ought to know. Now I'm just, you know, I'm I'm gonna go here. I'm picking on teenagers for just a minute, but I'm gonna get the rest of you. Don't worry. (laughs) So, young people, carry your Bible to school. I ain't all that, but I can tell you that when I was 17, and I gave my heart to the Lord. I started carrying my Bible to school. I was really shy and quiet. I didn't approach people about my faith. They all started talking to me about my faith and asking me questions. And then a little later, I worked at a bank. And during the slow times we would read and others were reading their Harlequin romances and their People magazine and I would read my Bible and they started asking me questions I'm just telling you, you need to come out of the closet one of the ways you can do that is carry a Bible with you oh, I don't want them to think I'm weird and religious I, I got it on my phone listen, I get that and, and I want to say this I'm glad that we can have the Bible on our phone that's good it's also a good way to be undercover. That's right. That's good. I, just, I just encourage you. You don't, have a, you don't have a real one. i give you one. But carry a Bible. Don't be afraid to have a Bible sitting on your desk or your place of work. You know, you, you, your construction. Have a Bible sitting there in your truck then. Don't be afraid what somebody's going to think. You might end up helping somebody by accident. Who knows? That's right. That's right. Just... Throw a little bit more in here. My wife and my son, both at one time taught in public school. Both of them kept a Bible on their desk. Amen. Every day it sat on their desk. Just telling you, you don't have to be afraid. You need to come out of the closet, be bold with your faith. Don't be ashamed of the Word of God. It has a power in it to change lives. So what is it? Why do we not do that? So often it is some kind of fear, fear pressure trying to keep us from doing the things that we could do. Why is it that it's so hard to invite somebody to church or to share your faith? Most often it is just the fear of rejection, fear of what they might say. Sometimes it's just the fear of being uncomfortable. That's right. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's just the fear of being uncomfortable to invite them or to say something about the Lord. Oh, how we need to put fears aside and instead live by faith. See, fear says if you take a day off from work to keep the Sabbath, your business, your finances are going to suffer. It has been proven over and over and over that businesses that honor the Lord's day do better than those that don't. It's been proven again and again and again. You don't have to just go by what the scripture says if that's not good enough for you. You can research the statistics on it, and those that keep the Lord's day do better than those that don't. You know why people don't fear? Simple. It'll keep you from getting involved in ministry. It'll keep you from getting close to other believers. Yeah. Well, they Have right. been hurt before? I don't want somebody interfering with my life. I don't, I don't want... You know, a lot of people don't want accountability. Right. We need accountability. Right. I'm just telling you, we need brothers and sisters in the Lord. And one of the things that Satan uses to keep us from having that is fear. He always is trying to undermine faith through fear. In Ephesians chapter 6... The Scripture tells us to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil, with the armor of God. And in verse 16, it says this, Above all, above all, he says, now this is the most important thing, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Again, some people think this is a fairy tale. I can assure you it's very real that Satan is against you and that he's always trying to get an inroad in your life to bring harm and destruction, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the way Jesus said it. And I'm telling you that he is always firing a fiery dart at you, but there's a way to stop it. There's a way that you can render it ineffective against you. What is it? The shield of faith. That's it. You see, if you get over into fear, what happens to your faith when you get into fear? Your faith gets weak. And you become defenseless against the attack of the enemy. But when you are strong in faith, you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What if what I'm telling you right now is real? It's right there. Ephesians six sixteen. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. This is why it's so important that you live by faith and get fear out of your life. Satan used fear to keep the children of Israel out of the promised land. That land was promised to them for hundreds of years. And yet, when they come to the land... They sent in spies, and ten of them came back with a bad report. Only Joshua and Caleb had a good report. And the people believed the bad report. They were afraid to go in. God had promised it to them for hundreds of years, but now they don't have faith. They're afraid to go in, and they missed what God had for them. They said out of their mouths you brought us out into this wilderness to die in the wilderness. They said it three times. And you know what? Eventually the Lord also said it. All that generation would pass away in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. That was not God's plan. God's plan was for them to go in. But because of fear... They didn't. And I see the same thing in believers' lives today. There's so many things, so many blessings, so many promises that are available to us. But you have to believe. And if you allow fear to take hold, it will keep you from so much of what God would do in your life. you got to get rid of the fear. It's the work of the enemy. Don't let fear cause you to miss what God has for you. See, Satan will always try to use fear to keep you from stepping into what God has. One of the ways Satan does that, he'll try to use fear in your life by making you think that you're not a candidate for the, for the promises of God because you've messed up. Listen to this. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had sinned, is one of the very first things that happened to them is they experienced fear. Fear came into the world with the fall of man. And the Lord comes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? And here's Adam's response in Genesis 3.10. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so often... Believers are afraid. They don't really believe the promises of God are for them because I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Why would God do this for me? There's this thing in the back of their mind that, you know, I don't deserve that. It might be for some real spiritual person, but not me. This is why there are times when in Jesus' ministry, before He healed somebody, He told them they were forgiven. And I'm telling you that if you are a born-again child of God, you have been washed in the blood. Your righteousness is from Jesus. It's not what you've done. See, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he will run you down and make you think you don't deserve anything. Now listen, you don't deserve it. But it is because of what Jesus has done that all of the promises of God are available to you. You are not disqualified because you've messed up, because i got news for you. If that's the case, then none of us qualifies for any of it. Our righteousness stinks. It's filthy rags. Did you know even in the Old Testament, their righteousness was by faith? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So I want to tell you this morning... But if the devil's been beating you up about your past failures and mistakes and sins, it's time for you to get free from that. You need to get rid of that fear that God wouldn't do that for you because you don't, you know, you hadn't done right. I want to tell you it is by the blood of Jesus. And you need to know that all of God's promises are available to you in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Him in Jesus are yes. And in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Promises of provision. You see, you don't need to have a fear of lack. Promises of healing. You don't need to be afraid of sicknesses. Promises of protection. You don't have to fear tragedy. Promises, so many promises to overcome every fear. You know, I, I had a little bit of struggle just this, this past week on Wednesday. I, I was dealing with some weird health issues. and You know, that, that doubt, fear tried to get on me. Oh, this is something serious. This is big. This is serious. And you know what? I just decided I wasn't going to take that. I decided I was going to stand up. And I was going to stand against Satan's attack. And so I started quoting those scriptures. He sent his word and healed them. I started saying things like, by his stripes, I am healed. He heals all my diseases. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm well. Praise the Lord. But Satan is always looking for somebody. We read it, 1 Peter 5, 8. Seeking someone he may devour. He's looking for somebody that's down, that's gotten weary and weak. He's looking for somebody that is isolated. They're all alone. He's looking for somebody that's discouraged. Their faith has been left behind. He's looking for somebody that's unaware of his devices. They're unprepared. He's looking for somebody that's not standing on the word of God, but has allowed fear to come in. Be sober, be vigilant. You're adversary the devil. Walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. See, we got to stay strong in the Lord. Yes. Amen. How do we overcome fear? We overcome fear by faith. 1 John 5 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. This is how we overcome, and our faith is founded on the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, it's when we hear the Word of God that our faith rises. And so, if you're struggling with fear in an area of your life, you need to get a hold of some scriptures, and get that down in your heart, and start speaking those scriptures out of your mouth, and drive that fear away. Realize that the Lord has given you authority over all the power of the enemy. It's Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, I know that Satan is real. I know that he destroys lives. But you need to understand this, that as a child of God... He has to make you afraid. He has, you know, he'll bring his attack. But you need to realize that you have authority. What did it say over all the power of the enemy? Wow, you have authority over all the power of the enemy. Don't let him intimidate you. First, or excuse me, second Timothy chapter one verse seven. God has not given us spirit of fear. That's not God. That's not God. But of power and a love and a sound mind. Listen, the best best translation or interpretation of sound mind there is a disciplined mind. It is that you don't allow your thoughts to just run wild. You don't allow thoughts of fear to consume you, but you take control of your thought life. God has given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Next, you need to take a stand against the devil. Ephesians six ten and 11 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. This is not a game. People that are playing Christian are easy prey. That's right. This is not a game. You need to be strong in the Lord. You need to be ready. You need to take a stand. Satan is a bully. You know what you do with a bully? You take a stand. Amen. I want to tell you, we all need brothers and sisters who will pray for us. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, later in the chapter, Paul says, Pray for me. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, I need your prayers. I need God's help every day, and we get His help by praying. Please pray for me. But I also want you to understand, oh, by the way, that's part of why we got to have that community, right? So we pray for one another. But here, here's the thing, though. Yes, get other people to pray for you. But you yourself also need to know how to pray. You need to know how to stand against the wiles of the devil. I remember when I was in school, there was a bully going down the lunch line telling people to give him money. And I watched the several in front of me. They all said, oh, I, I don't have any money. And I knew they were lying because they were about to pay for their lunch. You know what I'm saying? But he gets to me, and it's not because, you know, I'm all that, but it's just because I'm honorary. He gets to me, and he said, you know, give me some money. And I said, No. And he told me in some kind of explicit language that he was going to whoop me. And I said, you might, but you're still not getting any money from me. And you know what he did? He left the lunch line. And I'm just telling you, you got to stand up to a bully. And Satan is a bully. He tries to intimidate. He tries to use fear to manipulate you. Stand up against him. Don't allow that fear to control you. When I was pastoring in small town Oklahoma... I decided I was going to put door knockers on every door in town. and Man, I learned a lot about that town doing that. But anyway, one day I put a, a, door, a knocker on this door to invite people to church, you know. And as I'm walking t- towards the next house, out of the corner of my eye, I see this Rottweiler coming full speed at me from the backyard. And I turned and I faced him. And he stopped. I thought, okay, we're good. So I start to turn and walk, took about one step and I see him coming again. I faced him again and I figured out, I guess this is the way that's going to work. <laughs> I'm ready. You want to fight? I'm ready. I got about a house away and he didn't, he didn't come anymore. As long as I kept my face toward him, he, he stayed where he was. And I'm just telling you that you gotta be, you got to be ready to stand against the wiles of the devil. you got to face him. Don't let him bully you. Don't, don't, don't say, leave me alone, Mr. Devil. No, you take authority over him with the word of God. That's what he responds to. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid. But you need to be strong in the Lord. you need to spend time reading your Bible, spending time in prayer. you need to go to church every time the doors are open, you need to quit hanging out with people that are dragging you down. You need to get around some people that are serious about God and that help you grow in the Lord. You need to be strong in the Lord and be ready for all of the schemes of the devil. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That's right. Don't allow fear to control you. Refuse to bow like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when King Nebuchadnezzar set up that golden image, and and he said when the music plays, everybody has to bow down. They wouldn't bow down. And it made the king so mad. He said if you don't bow down, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They still wouldn't bow. They said, King, we know that our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your golden image. They heated up the furnace seven times hotter. And they threw those three young men in. It was so hot that the fire consumed the men that threw them into the fire. But there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, unhurt, unburned. The only thing that burned in the fire were their bonds. But The king looks in and he sees them in there. And he says, he sees a fourth man, one like the Son of God. And then he says to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out of the fire. I want you to know, they refuse to bow to fear. You talk about some pressure being put on. You talk about a reason to be afraid. What about when they're hauling them up to the steps, about to throw them in? But God rescued them from the fiery furnace. And I want you to know, you don't have to bow to fear. Refuse to bow to fear, you know so much fear in our world all the time now, and we just need to get to the place where we we realize that how often we've allowed that to influence us and don't don't allow it anymore you know the devil's always trying to use deception to make people afraid and, and make you think that things are so much worse than what they are he's like the Wizard of Oz y'all know how the Wizard of Oz worked right you, you know he, He had all this equipment to make him seem like this big, scary person. But they go back there and they pull the curtain back as this little old man. And I'm not saying that the devil is harmless, but I'm saying that he uses fear to control people. You need to pull the curtain back on him. Let me tell you how you do that. With the word of God. You see... The Word of God will give you the truth that you need so that you don't have to be afraid of what the devil does, whatever you're dealing with. You know what? There's so much fear today about sickness. you got a body pain and you do an Internet search for a few minutes and you're convinced you're going to die. Here's an idea. Why don't we do a Scripture search instead? Something different will happen in you. That's right. See, let's go to the word of God instead of reinforcing those fears. Let's go to the word of God. By his stripes I'm healed. <laughs> so much fear about the economy. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. See, you just got to stay strong in the Lord and fight the good fight of faith. Romans 16, 20, last one. Whew. You made it. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Amen. Amen. Listen, Jesus will make his enemies his footstool. He will crush Satan under your feet. That day of total victory is coming. But in the meantime, we're going to fight the good fight of faith and refuse to fear. Stand with me. I want our prayer partners to come.